0: Hey
1: everyone, welcome to our January bonus episode of the Tension Podcast. We're a show that acknowledges that most of life and faith is lived in the tension between the two extremes. Each week, we look at what many of us were taught growing up in evangelical churches. We weigh it against what our current culture is saying, and we try to find what Jesus has for us, and the tension between the two. If we haven't met, my name is Jonathan Crohn and we're joined, as always, by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people.
0: This is, like, my favorite and least favorite topic to talk about all at the same time. Like, I, I wake up in the morning, and I'm just like, yes, today is podcast politics and religion and race day and then at the same time i'm like ah i wish i didn't like this so much because <laughs> i wish we didn't have to talk about it
1: so you saw the title of the episode so you know what today's about race religion politics if you're getting this the day it comes out it's martin luther king day uh so we figured hey, we add, would have if this added conversation sex
0: to that race religion politics and sex that's like the mount rushmore of our podcast or at least my podcast topics and for those of you that don't know Jonathan sends out like this this uh you know season planning document he's like what do you want to talk about and it's pretty much that I'm I'm like uh can we talk about race how about religion how about politics how about sex and he's like no Eric we got to talk about other stuff sex politics religion or race not all of them together because that's a little weird but like you know (laughs) (laughs) hey we're combining three of them today I was gonna say they end up intertwining I mean anytime I mean anytime we talk about our boy Jerry I mean we get a lot of it
1: Yep. All right. So here's the deal for today. We're going to get into it. Here's the big question we wanted to wrestle with as we get through this. And a lot of it was inspired by uh, some Facebook comments and just some lived experience. But the question is, why are people of faith so segregated politically along racial lines? And that's a big question. So before we get into answering it, I do want to hit a couple of acknowledgements so that we can get these out of the way on the front end. First off. Eric and I are both white. So anything YouTube. we say, <laughs> if you didn't know that by our voices, you can see how pasty we are on right. YouTube, every single episode. So although
0: anything, although I will say if you Google my name, that might, you know, you might not know, you might not know what race I am based on that. Anyway, go ahead.
1: If you Google mine, my big old white face shows up, but <laughs> anything we say today about the experiences of anyone who isn't white is purely observational. We do not have those lived experiences, and we've only heard of them through stories we've read and friends we've had. So I think that's important for us to acknowledge on the front end. Another thing we need to acknowledge is that both of us come from white, conservative, evangelical backgrounds. If we are more critical of that background, it's not to let the opposite viewpoints off the hook but rather because our lived experience is the white evangelical conservative movement and background. So we know and understand those issues within that worldview better than we do the progressive backgrounds. So we won't need to say that on the front end.
0: Yep. Yeah. And it's uh, for me, it's a sense of like uh, anytime I get into these conversations, you got to police your own. You know, like I, I I need to take care of my house and the house I come from. Well, and you and I, like you said, we got to take care of our house first before starting to go out in anybody else's.
1: Yeah. Today we are talking exclusively about white American Christians and black American Christians, mainly because this is coming out on MLK day. If you want to make this issue even more complex You can go look at the numbers for Hispanic Christians and their political leanings. Uh, We'll link to some of that down in the show notes. But for today, we're just talking black and white because that's the issue that um, the kind of some comments on Facebook started this issue. And so we wanted to dive into it more. And then the last thing I want to say before we jump in is today is going to be more societal than it is biblical. We'll tie it all together to scripture at the end, but I want you to on the front end, if you're the type of people who are looking for us to proof text our view of government based off of some cherry-picked bible verses that's not what you're going to get today it's going to be more societal than theological
0: this is one of those things too it's kind of popped up my family we've been going through watching like you know uh what it's older movies which is sad when i say older movies but we got through all of the indiana jones movies and this is like when indiana jones i think it was like in the third one he says to all of his students, he's like, archaeology doesn't exist in the textbook. Like, you've got to get out in the real world. You've got to experience it. So, that anytime there's somebody like automatically wants to pause or skip or turn off or write us a nasty email or something like that. Like, when you say hello oh, at
1: tensionpodcast.com right. is
0: where you send that. Yeah, those right. Me. Just at me, Eric W712 on everything except Twitter. I don't look at that anymore. But anyway, like, just go ahead and tell us. But the bottom line is, it is all scripturally. Act, we're talking about how it how it actually plays out in the real world. So if, it, if it's good for any in the Jones, actual tensions. In. Yeah, in the tensions.
1: Okay, and then the last thing before we get into this, I do need to give some credit because I don't like talking about things without crediting sources. Uh, if you want the long term history of this issue and hear it all condensed into like a 13 minute video with no commentary, Phil Vischer, the guy who made fairy fairy tales, made veggie tales and hosts the Holy Post podcast. He has an incredible YouTube video breaking all of this down. It's linked in our show notes today. We're going to reference some things that he said in that video later. So if I don't credit him in the moment, know that the quotes that we say are coming from Phil Vischer because he deserves the credit for those based off of the work that he's already done. All right. Five, six minutes in we've got those things out of the way. Let's get into the meat of what we're talking about today. And here's the big idea. I want to start with Eric. Yeah. I believe the politics of followers of Jesus in America are broken down largely on racial lines.
0: Oh, okay.
1: For many of us who grew up in the white evangelical church, we were taught sometimes this was explicitly, sometimes this was just hinted at that Christians vote Republican And you can't follow Jesus and be a Democrat. Those are things that we've talked about on the show before, but those are things that both of us have heard in our church experience growing up. The problem with that, though, is black Christians, by and large, vote Democrat. So one of the things I keep referencing Facebook, but it's because where these comments keep coming up where people will say that it's obvious that one party is more in line with Jesus than the other. What you're saying when you say that is black Christians are not as Christian as white Republican Christians. And I have a problem saying that or even implying that or believing
0: that. And and as longtime fans of the show or not fans, hate listeners too, listeners of the show, you know that Jonathan is usually a little more reserved than I am. What I will add to this is I think a lot of people don't want to admit what they're saying when they're saying this but they're saying I'm a racist because if you're sitting there and you're going, it's obvious that there's one type of Christian or, you know, one party that is, you know, espouses Christian values and the other is not. And at the same time, like you're the same type of person that 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you'd use the word welfare Queens or 10 years ago you'd use the word thugs or anything else like that. But you know, your church is going to schedule a mission trip to a, uh, inner city black church and help them out somewhere it's like uh, i think you gotta you, you gotta look where that politics race morality back in the old church it would be uh, you know jesus gotta do a work in your heart You gotta check your heart bro
1: if you go back to the episode we did a couple seasons ago on racism in general in the church and whitewashing christianity we did a couple episodes on that one of the things that we talked about in that episode Was the idea of the different layers of racism. And one of the things within the overall umbrella of racism is racially ignorant or racial ignorance, where you just don't know or don't realize that what you are doing or what you are saying, how it impacts those of a different race. And so I think there's a lot of that going on here because we were taught one thing and our lived experience shows one thing that we don't realize the the racial implications of what we're saying when we say it's obvious that one party is more Christian than the other. And if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know I have said, I am okay, you voting conservative, I am okay with you voting progressive, that followers of Jesus can read the same Bible and come to a different conclusion on how to apply our faith to government. We can disagree on that. That's kind of a thesis statement for me in terms of the way I look at all of this. So I don't think there's one way to do it, but for those of you who like numbers, let me throw this out to you. This comes from the Pew, from Pew Research. It's a quote. quote. Black adults from all religious backgrounds are strongly democratic among not only Protestants and Catholics, but also religiously unaffiliated black Americans, eight in 10 or more identify with or lean toward the Democratic Party, end quote. So the numbers that go with that are that Black adults in general are 84% Democrat, 10% Republican, and 6% other or unaffiliated. Black Protestants are 86% Democrat. Black Protestants who attend a Black church are 90% Democrat. Black Protestants who attend a predominantly white church are 74% Democrat. Black Protestants who attend a multiracial church are 83% Democrat. And Black Protestants who attend church services weekly at any type of church are 81% Democrat. By comparison, white adults who attend church services weekly are 73% Republican. So we go back to what we started, our big idea for today. The politics of followers of Jesus in America are broken down largely on racial lines. Eric. Yes. We know you don't read the notes beforehand. Stop it. So you probably didn't know those numbers coming into this. When you hear the numbers like that, what does that
0: show you and what, what comes to mind? (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, I'll I'll skip, I'll skip the backhanded uh, insult there, but. We'll just keep moving. Um, is it an insult if it's true? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, observation, insult, who knows. Anyway, um, so just a caveat. This is like these numbers are what they vote, not necessarily who they'd identify as, right? Yes. Not that it makes not that it makes a huge amount of difference because, like, I mean, I will admit um, I have voted for a Democratic president even though I no, was No, 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 hey, let
1: me, let me back up. This is – it says – uh, they identify with or lean towards. So this is actually ident- identify with.
0: Oh, okay. All right. So they would call themselves not, e- not even what they vote. Okay. Because that's that's different too. Because like, even though like, it's really, really hard for me to continue to say this, but I still consider myself a Republican. I would identify as a Republican. I have voted for Democrats before, especially against uh, uh, nationalist, populist, uh idiot, potential president runner incumbents like Trump. So anyway, um, let's react to the number. The number that I would say is like, if you look at it, you're looking at the closer you are to attending a church that is identifies as black, the closer you are to identifying as Democrat. And then the closer you are to attending a church who identifies as white, the closer you are to identifying as Republican or you know less Democrat, and that's even like that multiracial stat is great in there because you got ninety percent if it's you attend the same type of church as your predominant race or background, eighty three if it's mixed, and seventy four if you're kind of in the minority, and so there is a like man, that's that, that it's hard to hard to argue against, and I know where the arguments come from because there are people that will like point to. They point to a couple, I mean, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think. uh, Who was the neurosurgeon that ran uh, a couple times ago? What was his name? Huh? Ben Carson. Yeah, Ben Carson. Ben Carson. And then uh, (laughs) uh, they, like, point to, like, a Ben Carson, and there's this, like, tokenism, where it's like, see? See, there's a black Republican. And you're like, come on. Or uh, one of my favorite jokes. And there are are some people, just like there are some white
1: Christians who – identify as democrat or progressive there are some black christians who identify as republican or conservative
0: and so like we're talking majorities today yeah and, and, and not that's necessarily the thing. And trying I'm not saying, to find the outlier i'm not saying there's a monolith like everyone you know it, just because you're white this means or just because you're black this means, that's not what i'm trying to say uh but i will say uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite jokes from uh weekend update on snl was at some point michael che talked about tim scott you know who is another Potential candidate for Republicans. He's black from, I think, South Carolina. And he said that that's Tim Scott, as in Tim Scott, no chance at this one. (laughs) Tim Scott, (laughs) no chance at being president. I was like, yeah, it's true because, like, this isn't who we normally associate based on your race. And now we're seeing that if you, like, you know, if you were to control for, their religious affiliation it does definitely break down between racial lines and i'm not comfortable saying 80 percent
1: of black churchgoers are somehow less christian than 73 percent of white churchgoers i don't know about you but that's something that doesn't make me comfortable so when people say that one party is more closely aligned with the bible i can't
0: i cannot i, cannot I, agree I can with tell that. you But I can tell you what category people would be comfortable saying that they would be in the seventy three (laughs) percent somewhere. Maybe not the whole seventy three percent, but there. That that would be a circle within the circle of the Venn diagram. Here's what I find so interesting, though. Black
1: Christians and white evangelical Christians, by and large, agree on most things socially and theologically. If you look at Whether or not black Christians view abortion as a sin, the amount of yes there is going to be very similar to white evangelicals. They just disagree in terms of should it be legal. If you look at black Christians and their view towards the LGBTQ community and are they quote unquote affirming of that from a scripture perspective, they're going to be in line with the white conservative evangelical that says that, no, that is not, they are not affirming in general.
0: So those generalizations are usually. I would say maybe a caveat is the percentages are the same. Like, you know, if you control for for race when it comes to voting, like you can see a distinct split, but when you control for race, when it comes to moral issues, the percentages are going to find themselves about the same especially coming off of an entire
1: season where we talk about a culture war, like culturally, there are, there are some very strong similarities between the two groups based off of religious convictions, but where the disparity happens is in the voting habits in terms of what party they're leaning towards in American politics. And if you want the, pre-1980s and civil rights view of why that is. Go watch the video we're linking from Phil Fisher because he explains it in a great way. And there's an entire episode around civil rights and the aspects of that that we could do at some point if you want. So let us know if you want us to dive in there. But we want to go a more broad, big-picture view today instead of in the weeds of
0: the civil rights movement. And so... So before you jump into the quote, because I know that's coming next, because I do read the notes when we're here, uh, I, w- I will say this: like, think about the concept this way: is you could get a group of Christians from different race churches into the same church, and they will yes and amen together the words from the pulpit. But as soon as they go into the voting booth, they are not going to yes and amen each other. Right? That's that's the key. It you know is we could sit together. We in the read cube, the same or, Bible. Yep. Hear the same teaching, and we apply that teaching to
1: government in different ways.
0: Yes, and so to it it's a huge leap that i would i I mean, I don't espouse to know well enough that argument to be able to you know speak intelligently against it. And I would love to have someone say like how how do you justify saying that uh, we can both agree scripturally on this end? But somehow you believe, not you, but, you know, the the thesis here, that there's a belief that the color of your skin or the belief that whether you vote Republican or Democrat determines whether you're an actual Christian rather than the other way around. If we're coming from the same Bible, we're coming from, you know, we can agree on very similar topics morality wise and and theologically, then I, I really, I want somebody like respond and let us know, like, I want to know where can you actually justify saying that no, it's not here that makes the determination it's when you go into the voting booth. but there's probably a reason why and that's why I'm interested in this because if we can unpack why these perspectives are different, I think that's key and I, I love this quote because it it really I think I think it was like yes it was like a feeling in my mind in my you know in my bones and I was like, and then you know you posted the quote and I go, that's it so. Let's talk about it. Before
1: we get to the quote, here's what I want to set up the rest of our time together around this idea. This is my, I think I've already said thesis, but this is my thesis for why this is happening, why there's a disparity. I believe the way we view our politics and the role of government is more closely tied to the way government has impacted our life than it is to our theology. Let me say it again. The way we view our politics and the role of government is more closely tied to the way government has impacted our life than it is to our theology. And I think Phil Vischer summed it up really well in the video we've been referencing. He says, quote, think about the words progressive and conservative. A progressive believes things should be improved by making progress and moving forward by progressing. A conservative believes the good things we presently have are at risk of being lost or need to be conserved. The best way to explain why white Christians vote for conservative candidates and black Christians vote for progressive candidates may simply be this. What do we see when we look in the rearview mirror? White Christians see a simpler time when everyone went to church, when we prayed in school, when abortion was illegal, and gender roles were clear. When black Christians look in the rearview mirror, the view is very different. They see fire hoses and church bombings and lynchings. Eric, in the notes I simply have written, Eric have at it. So Eric, have at it.
0: I It just kind of makes me sad. I mean, it really does make me sad that and and I think we've talked about it before because, you know, you have the well-meaning like right now I'm thinking about like well-meaning relatives or people that I know generally they're older, you know, they're boomers or, or older, but it's like, whether it's the Jason Aldean, try this in a small town or, you know, something else where it's like, you don't understand that the perspective you're coming from is not the only perspective that exists. And so, you know, we had this conversation when the small town thing came up and it's like, You know, when, when you say I'm proud of my small town or I'm proud of the South as a, as a white, as a white, it's like, that means something, you know, leave the, leave the doors unlocked and know your neighbors and, you know, no one street light in the town and everybody looked out for everybody else and everything like that. But it's like, when you say that in a different context to people, they, they're looking in the rear view mirror, as Phil would say. They're looking in their experience differently. And they're seeing dogs being, being unleashed on people that look like them. And they're seeing fire hoses being unleashed on people that look like them. And they're seeing people that look like us, dressed up in white robes, going after people that look like them. They're seeing people that look like them, hanging from nooses on a tree. And it's like, are we saying that everyone who's from a small town or everyone who's white or everyone who's conservative is like that. No, but there's definitely a sense of an experience that shades the way that you view it. And let me put it this way for some of our listeners. I know Jonathan's not you. You're, you're pretty outspoken about saying that uh, you've abstained from alcohol never drank alcohol, anything else like that. But let me talk to the, to some of you that, that have, okay. Uh, Think back to college or high school for some of you, you know that there's foods that you can't eat because of an experience that you had with a certain drink. You know that there's drinks that you can't even smell because of it. And it's fine for everybody else. Now, should I equate those two to the race situation? No. But hopefully that's enough of a mental picture to go, oh yeah, I have a different perspective on chocolate chip cookies than you may because there was one night where those things came out the wrong way and I cannot, like, it just tastes different now. And so I have a different perspective, a different view, and a different experience that's going to shade the way that I approach that same topic moving forward. The
1: way we view our politics and the role of government is more closely tied to the way government has impacted our life than it is to our theology. Here's another quote from Vischer. When white Christians look at the Supreme Court, they see the reason abortion is legal and school prayer isn't. When black Christians look at the Supreme Court, they see the reason they can vote and pursue housing and employment without blatant discrimination. That difference in perspective has a huge impact on whether you see the federal government as part of the problem or part of the solution. As a white guy in the South, I can see how government has done things that either has hurt our way of life. I mean, you look at, um, I can point to NAFTA and, and in, the, in the 90s, North America fair trade agreement. And I look at all of the factories around here and, uh, there's, for those that you don't, of you that don't know the, one of the, um, American furniture capitals was, is about 30 minutes from where I live. All the furniture factories were there. They had the big high point furniture. Um, people come from all around the world to come to their expos and things like that. Those are gone. Like, I I know of cities in, uh, in southern Virginia who, like, they are desolate now because the factories have now moved to other countries and are no longer in those towns. So, when I see that, I see the role of government took those jobs away. When a black American looks back, they see different things in different ways oftentimes than my lived experience. And those lived experiences impact the way we view the role of government. So one of the things that I want to point out, just as a tangible example of this, the phrase, make America great again. Think about that in this context. If you can agree with us that the way you view government is largely impacted by the way government has impacted you or influenced by the way government has impacted you. And you hear the phrase, make America great again. Again, this has nothing to do with conservative political ideology. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the, the messaging here. The again points back to a time that was not as good for black Americans. So when we're talking about going back to that, why would black Christians disagree with making America like it was when their churches were getting bombed? Why would they not want to make America like that again? Is it a theological issue of they believe that these policies are theologically wrong? Probably not, but they've, they have a lived experience of a practical nature that says, hey, that time was not good for me. I don't want to go back for that. I'm going to vote against going back to that. And when you see all of this under that framework, it makes you realize that, yes, we might agree on the theological implications of abortion. We may agree on the traditional, Christian sexual ethics, we may agree on these culture war issues, but if we see government as if the white American lived experience is government is bad or brings negative things, we're going to fight against government regulation. If the black lived experience is, hey, the government allowed me to have these rights, the government allowed me to be treated equally, then we're going to lean towards the the party that is in favor of those type of regulations. It's not a theological issue. It's an issue on how government has affected their lives.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think there's a bit of that chasing after comfort, right? You know, it's chasing after comfort, what you, what you value when you're looking at those things. And in fact, I saw something else from Pew that shows a little bit of the opposite, where you you could see this religion uh, and politics mix as well. It says here between 2016 and 2020, white Americans with warm views towards Trump were far more likely than those with less favorable views to the former president to begin identifying as born again uh, evangelical Protestants for the first time. So, meaning that uh, a lot of what we've thought too is like, you know it, th- there's this sense that the two can can exist together that if i've an evangelical and a trump supporter those those lines are blurring where you can't separate the two and you see that a uh, 16% increase in people who started identifying now i'm sure that the church culture would be like oh yeah he's bringing so many people to christ i wouldn't say that that's true i think what's happening is he's flying the flag of, hey, everybody, I represent your, uh, your comfort and the type of world you want to be in. I'm also carrying the flag of the evangelicals, not necessarily because those are one and the same. And so you have people that go, I identify with that. I, I want to go back to how things used to be, make America great again, when my skin color felt safer, and so therefore I'm going to identify as the same type of tribe, uh, that, that the Republicans identify in. And here, here's, this is a book that I've been reading over, uh, over the last month. It's called humankind, a hopeful history It's by a I uh, I think he's Belgian, a Belgian guy named Rutger Bregman. I think I'm getting that right. Basically, this is a fantastic book. And I think we're going to link it in the show notes, but I think you need to read it because it, it addresses the issue of like, whether humans are good or bad. And it goes through all of like the Stanford prison experiment to all the different things that point to like, yes, left to their own devices, human beings are evil and all these other kinds of things. But here are some of the findings that he's had, right? We're kind and a loving species, but just to the ones who think, who we think are like us. If not, we become the most cruel. He says empathy and xenophobia go hand in hand. They're two sides of the same coin. So humans, according to his research, are naturally good. We are naturally empathetic, but the problem is we're so empathetic to the people that look and seem like us, right? So that's it. So prejudice, hate, this is from him again, prejudice, hatred, and racism stem from a lack of contact with the stranger, with the other person. Contact is what engenders more trust, more solidarity, and more mutual kindness, which is very interesting when you think about some of the political statements that are happening now. Why do on both sides of the aisle, I'm not just going to point at the Republicans, but why are we pointing at the other side and giving them evil names? Because it's not bad enough that they're Democrats or they're liberals or they're progressives. All of a sudden they become what Marxists or baby murderers or America haters, America haters, those sorts of things. Same thing on the other side, you know, or, or like, or racists, same thing on the other side. It's like, It's not enough that they're conservative or Republicans. They're fascists. They're bigots. They're whatever you want to say, right? Keep going racist, anything else like that. And it's because internally that helps us to be able to go, okay, they're different from us. So I can get over my natural altruism and empathy towards them. I now can hate them and what they stand for.
1: And what I cannot stand and what has been my biggest issue over the last at this point what eight years is how inside the church especially the white evangelical church we have taken that political vitriol and applied it to people who had different politics than we do and made it an indictment on their Christianity and their faith in Jesus as because, if, well
0: but why? Because you cannot justify hating them or wanting to vote for something that that puts their interests down if you see them as being like you. I think that's the whole point is like it's so hard to hate somebody or it's so hard to vote against somebody's self-interest until you can say, you know what, I I don't identify with who they, who they are. So that's why I think it's so much easier because we have to vilify the other person in order to justify our own needs to try, you know, that's why we're like, well, you know, we gotta, uh, we gotta uh, love the sinner, hate the sin, you know, like, uh, but you don't actually love the sinner, right? Like you're not actually doing that. Or it's like, we got to speak the truth in love, but you're not actually being loving. You're just justifying that to separate you so that way you don't have to feel the type of empathy, love, and support as you would for someone that you identified as being part of your people group. And that we are talking about race, but it doesn't have to be race. It could be anything. It could be nationality. It could be whatever, you know, it could be football fans. Who cares, right? It's like there's that sense that that you can just justify them as they're one of those dirty Bama fans or they're one of those dirty Duke fans or they're one of the whatever, right? You could just push them aside. Go to hell, Duke. You can just push him aside because you've labeled them as somebody that's outside of your people group. And now that justifies lowering your empathy a bit.
1: And I look back at the disciples themselves Matthew, the tax collector, worked for the government, profited from the government, probably believed. In the government. Simon, a zealot, wanted to overthrow the Romans, hated the Roman government, wanted to do everything possible to end the Roman government. But those two people, who were on diametrically opposed ends of the political spectrum, came together to follow Jesus and to be connected and united by him, despite their political differences. And here's the thing. We have like three years of ministry time in the Bible of Jesus, where we hear all about these things that Jesus did and these adventures that the disciples went on and all this stuff. What we don't hear about is the debates they had sitting around a fire on a beach eating fish. I am sure that Matthew and Simon had these discussions and these debates about the role of government. And they had Jesus right there in the middle of them. And what didn't make it into the books was what Jesus said about the role of the government other than give to Caesar what is Caesar's. We can make inferences, we can make assumptions, and we can proof text different things if we want to, but it never made it into the books if he thought Matthew or Simon was more right than the other. Yet these guys were together all the time they had, I only know how many conversations about this stuff. I mean, we know who was faster and in a it, foot race. Let's just say that. We know that. Yeah. You know, John we know who Jesus than. loved more. We know who, <laughs> who got there first. We know all these other petty things about what happened, but we don't know what Jesus sided with in those debates, which makes me think, because what we do know is Jesus prayed for the unity of his church more than anything else that he talked about. If that's what he focused on, then why are we letting this idea that we have governmental differences divide us as a church and split us up saying that the other side is not as Christian because they don't have my political preferences? And I'll be explicit here. I don't see the black church saying white Republicans aren't as Christian as they are. I only see white Republicans saying that black Democratic Christians are not as Christian. Yep. And as a white guy in a predominantly Republican area who grew up in that mindset of Republicanism and conservatism, I have had to repent for having that thought process as well. Because that's what was ingrained in me growing up. That's what I have lived around. I went to Liberty for God's sake. I have two degrees from there. So, one of the reasons I'm so passionately defensive of this idea that we can follow Jesus and disagree politically is because I have seen the negative impacts it can have. And I believe it is anti Christ and it is not what we should be doing as Christ followers and the way that we should be going about viewing things. We can disagree about the role of government, but we can be united by what Jesus came to do with his death, resurrection, and his ministry here on earth.
0: And I think in agreement with all of that, maybe there's a test for some of us, you know, because I know, you, you know, lo- I love your candor and, and vulnerability to say that this is where you were and this is where you're, you're at now, and I think that For some that may not quite be there yet, you know, having that openness to ask the question of like, why do I believe that that's what I believe? Why am I saying these sorts of things? Is it because um, there's a comfort level that I'm trying to protect? Is it because uh, I am not open to the fact that I can say, you know, I'm not leaving room to think that God could love Simon and Matthew equally. Right. Like, am I open to believe that God could love uh, the uh, the Pharisees persecuting Jesus and the thief on the cross next to Jesus the same? You know, those sorts of things. It's like you're not allowing room in your brain for it because it's cognitive dissonance that makes your brain want to just throw up. I get it. You know, it's like my brain just doesn't. It's hard for for my brain to allow for that. But in reality, uh, I don't have to justify my way of life against someone else's way of life and everything else like that. Like we can acknowledge that me looking in the rear view of what America used to be and someone from a different race looking in the rear view of what America used to be can see two different views of America and they're both correct. And Wait, I don't need to real quick. play their view and I don't need to say why their view is wrong. I, I also want to say this
1: for those of us under the age of like 60, we can look in that rear view mirror and see all the things that happened and know it's not our fault that it happened. You should not feel guilty for what people in the past went through if you were not there but you do have a responsibility for making sure it doesn't continue happening. So this is not to project some type of white guilt onto conservatives who have a different rear view mirror experience. This is just to get the idea out there that others have a different rear view experience than you. And that's okay. That doesn't make your rear view mirror experience wrong. It doesn't invalidate what you've experienced. It's just, it's different. And we have to acknowledge if if we can get to the point where we acknowledge that these different rear view experiences are true and happened and influence the way we look at our future, then we can at least go about the future together. Maybe not agreeing on how we solve the issues, but understanding that there are good people on both sides, that there are Christ followers who may vote Democrat. There are Christ followers who, I I know this is a weird thing to say, but our culture today makes it seem like, the progressive culture makes it seem like people who are conservative and claim Jesus don't actually care about others. Yes, they do. There are plenty of Christian conservatives out there who love minorities, who love people who are different than them, who want what's best for them. They just have a different approach to getting there. And I think that's okay. We're going to have disagreements. But for the love of all that is holy, can we stop degrading people who have a different solution as if they are somehow more evil? They may prove themselves to be more evil based on things they say and things they do. But just because they are Republican or just because they are Democrat does not inherently make them wrong or Mm -hmm. make them less Christian.
0: Totally agree.
1: Now that I'm calmed down for a second, here's where I want to end today on a just pragmatic idea. People who are following Jesus can read the same Bible and disagree how to apply it to government. This year is going to be messy. It's going to get ugly. There's going to be a lot of stuff that happens and a lot of things that's said as we go through this election process. It's going to divide us as Americans. It's going to try to separate us into camps as people who are voting this November. Please. Do not let it also divide us as Christ followers. We can disagree politically and still follow Jesus together if we put our focus on Jesus, if we allow him to unite us. We can do that and vote for different candidates for president, for governor, for House of Representatives, and for Senate. We can disagree politically and still follow Jesus together. Please do not let anyone tell you otherwise. That's it for today. Next month, we're going to be back with another episode for you. In the meantime, if you have any ideas for future episodes, if you want to hear us talk about something um, on Spotify, there is a question that says, what did you think about this episode? If you listen on Spotify, answer that, tell us what you thought, tell us what you want to talk about in the future. We'd love to get more answers there. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, we would love to get some new reviews on there. So rate us and review us there. If you want to get in touch with us or you have any questions, you can reach out on social. Eric is at EricW712 on most of the major platforms. I am at Jonathan underscore Corona on them as well. You can email any of your thoughts or questions to hello at tensionpodcast.com. Share this episode with a friend. Episode Share this episode with a friend if you found it interesting or you think it would help them. But like we say at the end of every episode, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. We'll talk to you again next month. Have a great week.
0: cool